トーム、スティーブ。こんにちは。この番組すごいですね。あなたたち超面白い。私が番組出てもいいはんどうしたんですか<笑> 
descendants of his. He he had like twenty thousand kids or some shit. It's something. Yeah, there's something like a. I can't remember the number now. There's something like a, a insane amount, billions of people, like a fifth of the population or something like that can trace their ancestry back to Genghis Khan specifically. Yeah, because like in the years that he raped and pillaged, he, he got raped a and lot pillaged, done. His kids raped and pillaged. There's a lot of raping going on. Yeah. 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 Plenty of descendants of Genghis Khan. Anyway, shower thoughts. Yeah. I had one too, remember? I said. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> just completely dismissed my shower thought. I don't remember what it was. was it? Do you remember? <laughs> I'm trying to. Um, uh, I was hoping you were going to tell me. I'm like, I remember what I said. Did you think about it? No, it was about money is not. Oh, the root of all evil. The root of money all is evil, not yes. the root of all evil. Right. Because uh, STDs are the root of all evil. It's all evil that comes from the root. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I'm, I guess that. The whole saying money can't buy you happiness. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> I think irresponsible use of money. I this I guess I'm like in a weird spot to take that question right now or mm-hmm. think about that because we just finished um Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University and that final episode that we watched had to do with uh being a steward of God God's money. Like the money belongs to God. Is, this, is that the part where it's for, for a massive donation? No, he talks about um, like when he first started donating to the church, he refused to because he's like, God doesn't need my money or or something along the lines of God's just trying to take my money. Why does God want my money? And then he got thinking if God's all powerful, like he could just have all my money if he wanted it. He doesn't need money and yada, yada, yada. So... Well, anyway, it was it was very inspiring about like <clears throat> when people that give are more productive and they're happier and I I think that that's true but I don't know what it says about me that I'm not ready to give yet. Like part of the whole process the Dave Ramsey that we're trying to do right now one of the whole bits is the fact that you should give like 10% <clears throat> off the top before you even pay your bills. You should give 10% of your pay to whether it's a church, whether it's a charity, whether it's a family in need, whether whoever it is, it doesn't matter. You should give it away to, oh, well, I guess he does get specific at some point and talk about giving to a church, mm-hmm. but like they're underpaid, the, the, you know, the ministry is underpaid and all that kind of stuff. And like, I feel better when I'm kind, like I'm, I feel like I'm a, I feel better when I'm being kind to people. Does that make sense? Sure. And if I had the money right now to just like, I want to, be that guy that will give you the shirt off my back. And I feel yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I am the kind of guy that would do something like that. But in our current financial situation, like I need to get my shit straight before I can help anybody <laughs> out. So, uh, yeah, well, I don't think necess- money is the root of all evil because if I had the money to just give away, I would be more than happy to give it away. I, I would, I, and trust me, I will. When my life is in order and I've done the things that I want to do, I will happily, gleefully find a charity. And like, I would love to help animals. I would love to. That's what Leslie and I have always talked about doing if we won the Powerball, like that when the Powerball was like at a billion dollars or something, if we won that, like both of us at the same time had the same thought. Like, if we had that kind of money, we'd open like an animal rescue that rescues every type of animal, not just dogs or not just cats or not just one breed or not just horses like we would have 
a farm with right. acres and acres with veterinarians on staff. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of thing that I would want to do. Just let them run wild in packs. <laughs> yes. And create their own society of talking that's animals right. and they would take over the earth. You and just walk out back to the king. pack acreage and there's like packs of dogs fighting packs of feral cats stalking each other through the woods. You're like, my dream has come true. <laughs> now place your bets. <laughs> yes, this is the world I live in. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I, I think that well, that was had, almost did, too much truth. So You did bring something to mind. There's an old proverb about you know donating money to the church that I've learned as a kid. That So there's a, a priest or rabbi and a, and, a, and a preacher and a reverend that are arguing about how to donate money to the church. And the, one of the, the priests says, okay, here's what we do. We draw a big circle on the ground. We throw all the money up in the air. And whatever lands in the circle... We donate to the church. And the reverend goes, no, 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 no. We draw a big circle on the ground. We throw all the money in the air. And whatever lands outside the circle, we donate that to the church. And the rabbi says, you're both wrong. Here's what we do. We draw a big circle in the ground, throw all the money in the air. Whatever God wants, he keeps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's good. Now you but can then those motherfuckers would throw, got that from. Then they throw it up in the air, and then the wind blows it away. <laughs> uh, it's the Holy yeah. Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. That's... Um, <clears throat> was a specific line from a movie. If you could tell me what it was, you what, win. What, the Holy Spirit? Not the uh, whole circle on the ground money thing. Uh, it sounds familiar, but I wouldn't, I don't know. It was from Short Circuit. Oh. Yeah. That's how... Johnny uh, Five, stay alive! That's how uh, Mahoney figured out that Johnny Five was actually alive because he started laughing at that joke. Uh-huh. And it was a bad joke. That's funny. Um, well, I before we get started on our topic of the week, which short circuit is a perfect segue. Sorry to <laughs> fuck it all up. <laughs> ah! um, there is a thing that I just, today I learned of a thing called a, oh, let me see what it's called. Aphantasia. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, sounds like a medical dis- uh, condition. It is. Aphantasia. Aphantasia no, is... no, no ability to imagine things. Yes. Uh-huh. Can you believe that? That's a real thing. It's like a no real thing. It's not it. So check this out. Just like there's dyslexia, it's this, it's it's very close to dyslexia and and other type of. I guess they're not disabilities, but hindrances, maybe developmental nah, handicaps. Handicaps. There is a Wait, thing no, that's not cool anymore either. <laughs> called aphantasia, where you have no ability to conjure images inside your head. Otherwise wow. known as the mind's eye. Okay, so would you rather? Would you rather lose two fingers on one? Would you rather lose a thumb, just one thumb, or have a fantasia? Oh God, I would lose a thumb in a second. <laughs> that even, holy shit, I would lose a thumb. Like I'll lose both thumbs before I could lose the ability to imagine things in my head. Really? Oh fuck yes. I don't know how people. I bet somebody like that's even bad at like math. Like just because just visualizing something helps you work through a problem or right. you know like how like would that. you study or go through school i don't like yeah i bet somebody like that is actually really struggles scholastically but the there are more people that have that than you would imagine <laughs> nah, I, I, not, than i would imagine but not them right zing um I as i read think. into this a little bit it's it's not like it's common but it's more common than you think it is it's horrifying can you like okay just for the listening audience and probably the people listening to podcasts have a pretty good idea they can imagine things in their head 
I am going to describe what Steve is wearing. Ooh, salacious. <laughs> Steve is wearing a Viking helmet, a mm-hmm. silver Viking helmet with two giant horns protruding from the two sides. Under that, he is wearing a blonde wig with pigtails. So he has blonde pigtails and a Viking helmet, and he's wearing a neon pink t-shirt that says, or is written on it, Frankie says relax. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Now, I've been hanging out to that one for 30 years. (laughs) Whipped it out today for the first time. Yeah. Um, To the listening audience, hopefully you've just imagined Steve (laughs) wearing a Viking helmet and a pink t-shirt. This is Frankie says relax. Anybody that can't visualize that in their head, you have a Fantasia. Now, I really feel like I should describe what you're wearing then. So okay. <laughs> it's only fair. Okay. So Tom, as he sips from his crystal decanter of a some brown liquid that I can't identify, <laughs> his pinky thrust forward impudently is wearing a jester's cap. <laughs> a yellow and orange jester's cap, but instead of little jingly balls at the end, it's like a smiley face, but a screaming smiley face, if that makes any sense. Like like it's an agony. A contorted face. Like a contorted, agonized smiley face hanging from the ends of his little tendrils of his jester's cap. And, you know, he doesn't have anything on his face. He just has his nose ring in like usual. <laughs> but he is wearing a full steel corset bustier type of thing with big pointy conical Madonna boobs. <laughs> Circa early... 1990s that you know that's what tom has on right now and just for the record the entire time steve was describing that he was juggling flaming bowling pins well i have to because tom requires it he's the chester (laughs) but i am the entertainment yes (laughs) that is pretty good and tom was using american sign language to tell me to go kill myself that's what he's doing the entire time he's talking Yeah, I I have a habit of doing that. It's actually (laughs) a a compulsion. I can't stop myself from doing it. God, I wish I knew how to say go kill yourself in sign language right now. (laughs) That feels like a skill I want to have all of a sudden. Yeah, I know. Uh, As soon as I'm done doing this, I'm going to look up (laughs) American Sign Language. Go kill yourself. (laughs) I did. Oh, I did randomly, uh, randomly stumble across like a YouTube. Some woman like this really cheerful, happy, smiling woman. I guess her whole shtick, I didn't watch too many videos, but the one I saw was how to use sign language to swear. And she gave the sign for cum dumpster. <laughs> and it was, she's like, well, you know, it's not, there's not a direct translation. So it's going to be semen trash cans. <laughs> I don't know what's happening here, but I okay. love this. Song. So let me get this straight. You were YouTube, you were Googling <laughs> cum dumpster. <laughs> And you came across the video. No, no, I said I said accidentally. Okay. Anybody that's listened to this podcast long enough knows <laughs> that you don't accidentally stumble across anything on the internet. I you stumble have... across everything by accident. Your Google search history is probably <laughs> just a just a cum dumpster. <laughs> you variations on that term. You were Googling semen trash can <laughs> and you stumbled upon <laughs> A topless woman with a contorted smile <laughs> doing uh, hand gestures that weren't even close to American Sign Language, but she was just trying to convince <laughs> you. Uh, 
I do remember the sign for trash can had something to do with like a gesture from under the chin, which I would have thought would be reversed because I would have thought semen. <laughs> anyway. Incoming, outgoing. Yeah, no, yeah, that's right. Uh, it was, it was kind of hard to practice the signs with one hand while the other hand was busy. Right. But I powered through. With no thumbs. With no thumbs. but Because I you've had them cut off. But I so, had my imagination. So you have your imagination. Back to the topic at hand. I just can't believe that there are people that can't visualize things in their head. God damn. How do you read a book? I You can't. I mean, the only thing I can think that they read is something very... You know, like no novels, you know, nothing that you have to imagine what the character looks like or the situation or the setting or anything like that. It's got to be like, here's the history. Even that, like if you want to read like a history of the old West, you're going to visualize like guys on horses or, you know, carriages or coaches or whatever. Not if you have a Fantasia. You're just going to read like technical manuals the entire day. Or here's uh, how to hook up books, your stereo. Books with pictures. Oh, yeah, I guess. So they would, they would have to listen to music because like talk radio or podcasts would probably be shit for them yeah they like just wouldn't be able to well, like like our little exercise showed every time you listen to a podcast you kind of visualize who you what you what somebody's voice what you kind of think they look like right like yeah. there's actually a line from a book i read um john dies at the end where somebody's talked the main character is talking to somebody that's interviewing him it's like oh you didn't look like i thought you looked like like you know how well yeah. no, i get i got that wrong but there's a whole thing where it's like you know how you hear somebody's voice so you'll visualize what they sound like even if, yeah. even if they don't look like that it throws you off a little bit um another interesting thing i learned is that you can recognize or humans are smarter than ai one of the things that makes humans smarter than ai is it takes very little sound out of a friend's mouth or voice before you recognize them, hmm. where AI can't. I wonder if that's related. Have you ever heard, like, I, I want to do this, like a like a contest or just a test yourself type of thing where they play, like, the first two seconds of a song and see how often you can identify that. You mean something like Name That Tune? Name That Tune, but not instead, instead of hearing, you know, 10 seconds, 15, you hear, like, the, like the first chord, the first opening of a song. Yeah. Because I feel like like two seconds worth, you could actually be able to identify a lot of songs that way. Well, anything that you considered one of your favorites, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, like November Rain. Like the first with... note, I can tell you that it's November Rain. I guarantee it. Yes, that's an easy one. Well, I'm just saying. I suppose that's an easy one amongst the people we run with. <laughs> but there isn't yeah. a song off Def Leppard Hysteria, the best album in the entire history of humankind. That's the album they should have shot into space. So you said agrees. there's not an easy one in that? No, they're all like oh, okay. for, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I would only need to hear like the first note of every single one of those songs. So I can tell you what it is. I, I'll but, tell you what, there was this moment where I dumbfounded my friend with my amazing ability. <laughs> when he, he, my friend first introduced me to Disturbed. Yep. And Disturbed did that cover of Shout. Yep. And he kind of looked at me. He goes, I bet you can't guess what song this is. And the, the, Tink, 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 you know, the, they yeah. kind of shut the same way Tears for Fears did a little bit. And it was close enough that I, go, I looked like a shout. And he looked at me <laughs> like I was a fucking mythological beast that just came through the fog. I, he was like, oh my God, how did, cause I was like, you know, that beginning of shout. And you were like, I'm a phenom. And I'm like, God damn right. I know everything. Yes. Like he was, he was amazing. Subject. It's the way it should be. From then after, he was my slave. But or, I've, you know. I've just recently, uh, I'm not going to do it because it's going to screw up everybody's <clears throat> phone like it did before. But speaking to my phone, like talk to text and stuff like that. 
I've just now entered the world of speak to text. You mean shouting words like "Hey, something"? We'll yes. People's I won't say driving. it because the last time, last time I did, it fucked up my phone and listening ability because I was yep. listening. I was I was re-listening to the episode like during the editing process, and it s- turned my phone on. It was it did that to me when I was driving. I was re-listening to it when I was driving. All of a sudden, I. It, the audio cuts I'm like what the hell and all of a sudden Siri's like saying random shit I'm like oh god damn it are you kidding me <laughs> yeah so um, so I won't say it but anyway I that's cool speaking of technology yeah fuck Siri no anyways yes that's our inaugural season two the first episode top. of season two is going to be about technology and how it is shape and shaping how it's shaped and is still shaping our, our entertainment our pop culture, if you will. Yes. Let's go with probably the oldest version books. I think we've, yeah, we kind of talked about this before, like books, because I think I mentioned how books were the first form of like mass culture. Like once we had books, you could have mass culture. So people back in the day, once, especially once the printing press became invented and a lot of people got the same copy of the same book, you had heroes i mean you you always had folklore and tales that were told but now you had specific stories that people could read about and trade off like i just read this book it was amazing here you can read it too right and, and we then can that's, be involved that's in the same like story share, right you you discuss it and it wasn't just yeah i know this story because my grandparents told it and their grandparents told it and we grew up this you know these folk tales about abraham and moses and caesar and you know buddha and all this crap we 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 uh now have this guy has come up with this novel story yeah see uh-huh. i got you a year ago and i just found out about it now you can find out about it too in the exact same form that i found exact same words so it's not open to interpretation it's not open to a variance between people it's this is what i took in now you can take this in and then this guy can and this girl can and this so on and so forth and we can all have this shared experience that is still brand new and that's that was unprecedented in human history in books for the most part went unchanged unchanged for a very long time um the method in which they were distributed i guess has changed quite a bit the method in which they were printed um but that's the thing is they were still printed. It wasn't mm-hmm. until, you know, advances in technology that they became audiobooks. So there was a whole yeah. process to record and maybe it was the author that was going to read it. I don't know as I've enjoyed any of the audiobook. I haven't done a lot of audiobooks. I've no, I've yeah. probably done a handful <clears throat> of audiobooks and it seems to me that when they hire somebody professional <laughs> do the reading it's a lot better than when the actual writer of the book reads it and i i guess the only, the only example i can think of is i i listened to um killing lincoln by mm. bill o'reilly where i think he's a smart guy and his book was you know well informed it was put together well um i don't think that he's the easiest person to listen to so he actually narrated it himself yeah he actually read his own book on tape and he's he's got a tv show he's a he's a television personality he does it for a living um so it's not like he's bad at it it's Mm -hmm. just it's almost too much i would much rather have listened to it with somebody that did it i listened to some um 
John Grisham uh, uh, audiobooks, and those were done by a professional, you know, person, well, voiceover person, and and they were very enjoyable. I guess the one thing that throws me a little bit, and this just must be my issue. Like, I don't, I've only heard a handful of audiobooks ever, and like, like my brother listens to him a lot because he is in a truck all day so it's just you know easier for him but i'm not so like i have two issues with audiobooks one i get my mind wanders like if i'm driving and listen to one yeah my mind tends to wander a little bit i don't know i don't know why because i'm trying to pay attention to the road so i'm splitting my attention between that and letting my imagination actually you know form Like I usually do when I'm reading a book, it's a little bit harder on the road because I can't just like zone completely out. I got to pay some attention to what I'm doing. So that takes a little bit away from me. And then two, and it throws me a little bit (laughs) when, and it's usually a guy narrating it. But if you're doing a novel where you have dialogue between different people, when he changes up his voice, especially when it says a, a woman's voice, it's a little kind of. Either, I mean, you're left with no good options. Either you're like, and Matilda said, I'm going to cook up some grits and we're going to have a, a nice meal. Or like, and Matilda said, you know, you <laughs> got to change your voice a little bit. It's a little weird. Well, I'll tell you, I, I know I mentioned it before, but that's what turned me off from the Game of Thrones books on tape. The the person's voice absolutely destroyed it. I uh, Something that I was all in. Like, I wanted to listen to this badly. Mm. I, I wanted to listen to the whole book on tape thing, and I couldn't do it because the voice totally turned me off. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but um, I listened to, uh, I want to say, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire on audio. And it one of the things that struck me about that was I had read the first three books, and in my mind, there were certain words and names that i had oh, pronounced yeah. and then when i heard somebody else for the first time pronounce them and they weren't the way i was pronouncing them in my head it was i was shot like i know i've mentioned it before but hermione mm-hmm. i don't remember exactly how i pronounced her name in my head when i was reading it i think i almost glazed over her name just because i knew the first three letters of her name so i just glazed <laughs> over it i didn't i didn't know how to pronounce hermione i'd never heard that name before or if i had you know it was not registering with me it was just easier to bypass that name. And then when I heard somebody speak it on the book on tape, I was like, holy shit, that's how you say that? That's it. Yeah. And and all kinds of the other, you know, words that J.K. Rowling used in that Harry Potter series. There were a lot of weird names <laughs> and things like it's that. It's not Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Bullshit. so it helped in that respect. Um but I think that that was like, I enjoyed that too. Well, I'll tell you, I heard, I listened to, and I think I mentioned before, I'm a big fan of the wheel of time series, a, a real epic fantasy series. That's even bigger than like game of Thrones and stuff. But uh, there's a lot of, a lot of made up names, a lot of weird names in there that reading it, you just settle on a pronunciation and even talking amongst my friends and my brother, you know, stuff like that. We all kind of settled on, okay, this is probably how you're supposed to say this. Mm-hmm. And I, I listened to one of the books on tape on CD, and it was abridged. And that, not that that matters, but I do hate the abridged versions. But uh, I don't see the point at all. Anyways, <laughs> that's a different thing. But um, some of the character names were pronounced, and I'm sitting there like, "No, nah, that's that's not right. That's 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 got to be so wrong." <laughs> and that's, it bugged me enough that I'm like, "Okay, is that the way Robert Jordan wanted them pronounced, or is that the way that?" The narrator just like, ah, oh, fuck it. It looks like that to me. Yeah. And just went on with it. Like, I, yeah, like it was, there was no it was direction. so jarring that I was just, every time the name was pronounced, I was like, what? No, just no, that's not right. Yeah. <clears throat> well, with 
with books. Uh, they went to audiobooks, and then the way more convenient Kindle. Mm-hmm. Why did it take so long for us to get something, an invention like the Kindle? And then when it came out, do you remember when Kindles came out, how revolutionary they were? I had the first Kindle, and I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. I mean, it was it was like the iPod. It was like, you know, this thing that, why is this just now a thing? Why wasn't had, this a thing? I remember the ad campaigns are like, the very first Kindle was like, they had these all these ambitions for it. Like, we're going to make it wedge-shaped so it feels like a book in your hand. Yeah. And we got these big buttons on there, so you don't barely have to move your fingers. You can just kind of click it, and you, you got a little like number pad at, or a, like a you know like a keyboard letter number pad at the bottom, so you can type in what you want when you you know all that stuff. And it's just like it was so like mesmerizing. This I was like, oh, this is amazing. I can have a library's worth of books just in this one thing. Yeah, that I could carry around with me everywhere. So I'll always have a book on me, and I'll always have another book waiting. To get. Like I was just I was a hook line and singer from second number one and i love love that thing i actually wore it down to death like the thing just froze up on me with came a brick <laughs> because i used it so much yeah and i've had subsequent kindles but i barely use them anymore really you is that a preference thing or is that because eh, like i i mean i sad to say i don't read nearly as much as i should and as much as i could i've gotten i've gotten lazy like if i sit down to read i start to fall asleep because i'm i don't know old i don't know <laughs> Showing your age. So I yeah, I know it's terrible. So I tend to just do it in bed and then I'll, I'll make a confession to you. Any book I get that I want to, that I think is going to be something that would impress somebody else, like, you know, like a brainy book, something that's like, ooh. Yeah. Like, like I, I get all these books that are like, um, economics. Yeah. Like that one or like the American Nations that talked about, you know, how America's culturally split up into these 11 different tribes basically or the revenge of jack like all these kind of scholastic non-fiction books yeah. i get the actual physical book because i kind of like the idea of walking through an airport or being somewhere like <laughs> and somebody's like ooh, that looks good i'm like oh it's fascinating let me tell you you know i i yeah. that's such a conceited egotistical well, thing no but i mean I that's a social it. thing that's okay, that's yeah, more yeah. of a like i would kill to belong to a book club or not a book club but like a you know like i would love to no, I'd read actually a would book like with other people and like read a chapter and then discuss it i just don't know when i'd be able to do that yeah that's the thing and then you'd have to coordinate the time to get together and all that stuff yeah like i think i really would like to be part of a book club but i never i don't know anybody that is i don't know when it would have any of that but Kindle I use for like just stupid novels, like the fantasy stuff. I read the sci-fi stuff. I'm like, yeah, who cares if I, you know, I don't give a shit if somebody's looking at that and going, ooh, you know. So I just use that for that. Yeah. And I found myself reading less of that type of stuff in the recent years than I do nonfiction. Yeah. So, but I mean, but as it is, Kindle is still an amazing advancement. It really is. One of the reasons why it's an advancement is, so these books that, have previously only been available to people that are willing to go get the hard copy. Like you'd have to go to the library, get a book, bring it home, read it, and then take it back to the library for somebody else to share it. Mm. Or it's available in every fucking airport. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a reason why there's information in books and that information is shared. Right. Um, But all it takes is for one person to have an idea to write a book, to post it, on Amazon for everybody to share. I know somebody that is in the process of doing that. Hint, hint. <laughs> not uh, completely. Well, you're not, it, it's not to that stage yet. But for example, if you don't find 
somebody to publish your book that you've written, mm-hmm. um, you have the option to shop it through Amazon. Oh, I, I would 100% will do that. Like and, in some way, shape, or form, this thing will see the light of day. Right. And that's so, because of Kindle, because of Amazon. This is a thing where you've had an idea, you have fostered that idea, you've you've done everything that you can to put that idea in, in a way into an order in which other people will enjoy it that you think, mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to share that with other people through technology, through in through a Kindle. And probably it will end up that way anyway. And the desired result is to have a paperback edition of that. I'm sure. Right. Right. But in reality, in reality, you're probably, you're going to reach, you would reach more people with a Kindle electronically with a Kindle than you would by having this thing published and then have a certain run of, you know, an edition that's got, you know, and then filtered out into shops somewhere and then maybe some handed out to your friends. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, not even a drop in the bucket compared to the amount of people that you could reach through the Kindle store. So yeah, exactly. An idea that you had shared with millions of people is kind of an intoxicating idea. Like you, you want that and it's, it will, it will be made possible by technology. Well, I got two points to make about that. One is an aside. I, I was going to mention this. I did hit a milestone in my like, book uh evolution I, I got an answer back really what was it what is it the was answer? a rejection <laughs> <laughs> well you know what they say about rejections you know what they say about like when you're trying to do something and you get rejected rejections are like um assholes everybody gets one and they all hurt <laughs> <laughs> when when poked with yeah. hot things yeah when um, they're touched no, no i got a rejection from i i sent out different whatever like i found all these this database of literary agents and they all want different you know like they want so many pages of your manuscript they want a, a synopsis so on and so forth so i found i had all that stuff right i sent this out to five different agents say five different agencies and so far i got one back this woman i'm not going to mention her name i don't think it matters but i just i don't know i won't, I won't mention the name very polite she said Something about uh, thank you for reaching out. I just I have I'm very selective about my clients, and I don't think I'm, I'm passionate about yours to represent it to the fullest or something like that. Basically, I'm not interested. But thanks, but no thanks. It was, it was like it was polite. Yeah. Now, what I would rather have was crushing, saying <laughs> no. Seriously, what I'd rather have is something like this was crap. Your letter was crap. You need to work on this. You got to fix this before I would even consider it. Like that's more constructive. It's hurtful, but constructive. <laughs> I would cry. I would roll up into a ball, suck my thumb, but I could emerge from that with something to use. But yeah, still, nice is nice. Well, that's good. But that's uh, (laughs) that's the aside that the other point I want to make is like germane to our topic was how Kindle has changed our entertainment. How like Kindle's it's hand in hand. Kindle is Amazon. And between the two of them, they have put how many bookstores out of business because it's like a sea change of the way we take in literature was Amazon's. A, buy the books online. B, don't even do that. Just buy it from Kindle. Yeah. How many, I mean, where's, when's the last time you walked into a Barnes and Noble or a uh, Borders or something like that? Um, well, books a million. I've been in books a million within the last six months. No, not within the last six months, within the last eight months. Okay. And that's actually probably a rarity if I had to guess. It is. But here's something that's weird about technology is that has actually made that because book size signings has always been a thing. Like mm-hmm. an author writes a book, they go on a book tour, 
they might stop in your city. If they stop in your city, you can go to the bookstore, you can buy their book, meet the author, have them sign it, have your picture taken with it, and then move on. And I think that that is now becoming more of a novelty type of thing, or at least it's leaking into some of the things that I am entertained by. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Leslie met Anna Kendrick at Books A Million, had her sign the book and had a picture taken with her. And, you know, that was, I say that was a big deal, but I mean, to Leslie, that's nothing because she meets and talks to celebrities all the freaking time, <laughs> Twitter and Instagram and all that shit. But, um, like there, there are people that I would like to buy their book and have them sign it. I have, uh, a book, my, one of my all time favorite football players is Troy Brown, a former wide receiver for the New England Patriots. And he wrote a book. I bought it. And I would love to have him sign it. Like, mm-hmm. I would love to meet him and have him sign it. And why? Like, <laughs> well, basically, you have a connection. Like, you have an actual, yeah, phys- would, an actual would, physical connection to the person. It would connect me to that person. Um, another one uh, is Maynard Keenan, the lead singer for Tool. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book or, you know, basically co wrote a biography about himself. But that's an autobiography, right? When you write it for about yourself. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but if you call what it, is, like... yeah, that's, that's weird because he, he wrote it with somebody else about himself, but whatever. Um, was it called? Will there ever be a rainbow? <laughs> uh, he, he's selling a, like a autographed copy. You like meet him and have him sign your book. And it's like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. It's oh, stupid. <laughs> I mean, I would I would go to the store and wait in line and pay $25 for a book and have him sign it and have my picture taken with him, you know, shake his hand, say big fan, and then walk away. But I'm not going to spend hundreds of dollars to wait in line to get a book that, you know, he hates me and <laughs> begrudgingly <laughs> signs my book. Like, fuck You're welcome, that. bitch. <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with that. But, you know, if if all of us bought Kindle books... That would that would go away. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could buy the Kindle book and then, in that rare circumstance, buy the physical copy just to do that. But True. like, I never, I don't ever think physical copies will ever go away entirely. And in fact, I, f- I might be wrong, but I feel like I heard somewhere that they're making a not a full comeback, but like a, another resurgence, like almost like a hipster thing where people are like, you know, I'm gonna read a physical copy just because it's that cool to <laughs> do. I'm gonna, anymore. you know what. I'm going to buy a physical copy just because I want to walk through an airport and have people see that I'm reading this book. Yeah, those dirty freaks. I know. What the hell? Hipsters. Damn. Pretentious dicks. <laughs> um, yeah. They're all so, sitting there like someday they're going to sit next to that hot girl on the, on the airplane and, you know, she's going to strike up a conversation and then suck and... Never mind. I think we just kind of got a little window into why somebody walks around an airport. <laughs> oh, your brain is so sexy. <laughs> well, you know, there's something to be said. And I could never fly Southwest again. <laughs> and that is why they kicked me off the flight of <laughs> United Flight X. Um, me and Jennifer but, Lawrence. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Anyway, moving on. Comic books. Now, you're a big comic book collector of yore. And um, <laughs> the days of yore. The days of yore, and you have a lot of physical comic books. But I mean, what yeah, was you want them? Book? I'll sell them to you cheap. <laughs> I'll give you five dollars for the lot. Okay, that is cheap. <laughs> no, um, I what, find cheap. what I'm getting at is um, 
So you have something that's worth physical, it, it's physical and it's worth money. Like you can take that collection of yours and sell it. Whether, quote unquote, you could, you could sell it right now. You could. Honestly, you could sell it to the highest bidder right now. You could find yeah, for a place. Something. For something. Honestly, you could sell that. Yeah, yeah. Can you sell the digital copies of comic books that you've downloaded to read? Even if that was possible, like in some way, shape, or form of saying, I will I will send you this data packet so you can have it, which I don't think is true. Nobody would bother. Yeah. Nobody would bother to buy it. That would be pointless. There'd be no so, exchange system for something like that. So somebody that has collected comic books, owns comic books, and could sell comic books now doesn't deal with comic books. You deal with digital copies of Right. Graphic for, novel there's a couple of reasons for that. One, I toned it down on what I buy. Like I only get a handful of tiles a month because I, I got, I think we've talked about this where I got sick of the superhero comic books because it just became the same old, same old over and over again. Like nothing was ever going to end. So I steered away from that, got into more like horror or sci-fi or something like indie type of stuff that was like a, a good story that I just wanted to, and I knew it was going to end eventually. I wanted to find out what the story was and be into it yeah so that's one of the reasons i switched away from week by week comic books and then the other one was yeah i just i don't care enough anymore to keep a physical copy and i ran out of room and i don't want to have to go through the uh, the whole sell my collection and yet my collection is still growing that i don't know so yes that's why i still steered away from it so there's room in the market for actual physical copies of comic books but if you're buying a comic book with the intention of reselling it if, if you're not doing that there's no reason for you to not have the digital copy i guess is what i'm saying so at right. least a portion of the experience has been phased out yes and no some yes a portion of the experience is if you were somebody that traded your comic books or sold them as when you got them or like that that used to be a thing like i think my dad talked about that he would get comic books and then finish reading them and take them back to the store. You trade old ones in, you know, a stack of whatever, five, 10, you could get, you could trade in for a new one. You know, you, you're always getting the, a bad ratio, but you could do that. Like, okay, I'm done with these ones. So I'm going right. to trade them in and get a new one or something like that. So yeah. that was a thing you used to be able to do. That has changed. I don't know any place. I, me growing up and doing that was never a thing. Cause I didn't know any place that would do that. You could find comic book stores that had extensive backlogs, but that was even that was few and far between. Like almost every comic book store I ever went to, what they made their money on was new comic books, toys, you know, paraphernalia, accessories, maybe a handful like of really rare things, maybe rare a handful of like rare science stuff that they, for the most part, just put on the wall as almost like a trophy or a look. I'm serious about comic books. Type of <laughs> yeah, not like like I said, there was like one place I remember going, a flea market that had extensive back issues, and that's I use I use that to fill in my old X Men. Yeah, like a lot of my old X Men stuff, but uh, that that's the only guy I remember like that. Every actual legit comic book store that had a space in a strip mall or their own building or something like that, their back issues were it wasn't a thing. That wasn't a thing you found. Yeah, so that was changing anyways, and now now the digital stuff is catching on. I mean, I could I feel like the day is going to come when physical copies are going to disappear, and and this will be kind of cool. They could actually make use of the digital format, like actually have animation. Oh yeah, something like that, and that they, they haven't really done that. They've experimented with instead of the format where you have different panels on a page, that you flip the page. They've experimented with that where you can double tap it and zoom in so you look at one panel at a time. 
So it's almost like watching a movie frame by frame. Yeah. You can do that. It's a little weird, but they've they've had digital only comic books where they kind of use that idea and change it up a little bit so the frames look different and things are added to it as you move along and stuff it's just a completely new frame. It's it's hard to describe, but Yeah. Well, none of the magazines that we get here at the house could ha- they don't have to be physical. Like mm-hmm. really to be honest, the only reason why we have magazines around that because you we have entertainment weekly and that that comes we have a free digital i say it's free i mean you get a physical copy and you also get a digital copy we have the physical copies just to keep next to the toilet and (laughs) and those are useless because we have our iphones well i mean i have a subscription to the atlantic and you get a digital copy with that but i never use look at that because i read it um at places <laughs> i get what you're saying but yeah what, what it boils down to is i mean i get golf digest i get uh popular science and i get we get entertainment weekly and consumer reports those those are what we get for magazines here at the house none of those have to be physical copies no i could i could get away with every single one of those being digital and being happy so I mean- even digital, I, I like it a little bit better, something like that, because you can flip to the contents and just push a button. Like, I want to read this article right. and go right to it instead of having to flip and try to find that page. I mean, More some convenient. things are just better that way. Do you think the magazines you subscribe to tell are telling about your life, your personality? Oh, fuck yes, absolutely. So somebody, I get somebody's subscri- magazine subscriptions tell you a lot about that person. So back 10 years ago, let's say. I used to subscribe. To, well, maybe even further back. I used to subscribe to Maxim mm-hmm. and stuff and Playboy. <laughs> <laughs> All three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't subscribe to those anymore. Now I subscribe to uh, Popular Science, Golf Digest, Entertainment Weekly, and uh, Consumer Reports. <laughs> That's it. It means you've matured. Congratulations. Yeah. And Entertainment yeah. Weekly is a, it's like it's good to kind of get a heads up on some of the things that are coming out, like looking ahead. But I find almost all of their articles are slanted drivel. Yeah. Well, yes. And that's a, like I remember like when I was a kid, I subscribed to like I had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic book subscription. And, you know, like so it come in the mail. So like I had a couple of comic books. Then I had like Mad Magazine. Oh, Yes, I, I know. I loved it. It loves this great. I would. I say I wish I had it, but I know I would just probably not even read it now. And, <laughs> Get the but, digital uh, copy. Then I got older, and I got a subscription to Newsweek, and I'm reading Newsweek. I'm like, man, this this shit is really slanted. Like, this is biased stuff. Like, I hate to be the guy. I don't want to be the guy that's like, fucking liberals or fucking conservative <laughs> assholes. And, like, I don't want to choose sides. So what if I'm reading a magazine that's really, really heavy one way or the other? It kind of puts it's off. It's a little off putting. So I, I canceled that. I've got Time magazine. And then as time went on, that one became obviously slanted. Yeah. So I said, but I, I want a current event magazine. So I settled on, I get the Atlantic once a month, which is kind of left leaning, but it's not bad. It's, it's It really does. It is even handed. They get conservatives in there to do articles all the time. I get the Economist every week, which is a little bit right leaning, but once again, more centrist than anything. And then I get foreign affairs once every two months, which is heavy. Like if I get through half the articles and those things, it's amazing. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah. Well, Entertainment Weekly is slanted towards whatever 
big budget movies coming out is going to be on the cover and it's the review is going to be glowing regardless of oh yeah it's it's just it's a magazine for the industry to just well jerk the, itself the, off the, the critics i i i've kind of come down to the, the whole critics i don't know culture in general has been pretty thoroughly bought off an indie yeah. movie might get a fair shake good or bad but a big budget like big studio thing is now going to gonna get probably glowing reviews yeah at least overall yep and that's no matter what. just what they do for each other you know yeah they, that the hand wags the tail or what the fuck what's that what is, what's that expression wagging the dog is that no the dog that's... wags the tail i don't know man i whatever don't ask me for my metaphors are terrible <laughs> i'll mix uh, okay. my metaphors until the cows freeze over man well, I don't let's know. get this train back on the track we're talking about <laughs> technology so okay so Switching gears, I guess, from books, Print. there was there was something I just I just came across that was actually really fascinating to me was multi camera versus single camera TV sitcoms and specifically. Yeah. So do you know what I'm talking about? No. So when sitcoms were a thing, became a thing, you know, starting with the honeymoon, honeymooners and whatnot, the majority of them were single camera, where you had one camera filming it like, and you're watching it like a play on screen. Yeah. You know, it was a set exit stage, right? You know, all that yep. stuff. And then I think it started with I Love Lucy. Desi yes. Arnaz came up with this, the multi camera format yep. where you would switch cameras and switch angles. And this is fascinating because once that became a thing past the 1960s, everything was multi camera. So the multi camera format dominated the 20th century of sitcoms for the most part. Yeah. <clears throat> but what, and that, Everybody listening, and I'm sure, you know, most people are like, all right, what's the difference? Really? Multi-camera's got to be better. Here's the difference. Here's a multi-camera show. Uh, home improvement. Typical multi-camera show. You know what? A single camera has made a comeback. You know what a, a single camera show is? What? Arrested Development. But that's... Do you see the difference there? I do, but that's a moving single camera. It is. And it's not like a single frame. And it's not technically single camera in that... They're only ever going to use one camera, one shot. But it's a single camera because it's one camera on a scene at a time. Not yeah. a scene's going to be broken up into different angles. Right, like the, when you but the when you biggest difference is. I was just going to say when you watch an episode of Seinfeld, you're you're seeing multiple angles of mm-hmm. the same scene. Right, Seinfeld was multi camera. Here's the biggest difference, and it did not occur to me until I started thinking about it, and kind of blew my mind. Multi camera is the laugh track format. The live audience or laugh yeah. track format, Friends. single camera is not. So Friends, Seinfeld, Cheers, every every TV show you watch that said film before a live studio audience was all multi-camera. Yeah. And that is what every sitcom was from the 1960s to the 2000s. You know, everything. Um, like I said, Seinfeld, Friends, Home Improvement, uh, every everything. Everything was multi-camera. And then they started breaking the mold. And you got your Arrested Developments, your The Office. Yep. Um, what did they say? ABC was all multi-camera. And then they started experimenting, came up with... Um, Modern Family, yep. it was a runaway hit. Well, there a lot of people compare Modern Family to Arrested Development, like yeah. side by side comparisons. I, I mean, see, I mean, I liked Modern Family. I watched it for years. I kind of fell away from it, but I, I really, I, I did like that show. Arrested Development's better, but way better. <laughs> but Community, which is another show I loved, and we've talked about this before. I prefer, and I think you're the same way. Prefer these comedies without the laugh tracks, without yeah. the can laughs, without, and they say rock. You're 30 rock. Um, now, they one thing they talk about is that <laughs> CBS and 
the single cam has made a comeback with a vengeance because CBS is now the last holdout. It's one of the few networks that keep producing multi-camera sitcoms. But out of all those multi-camera sitcoms, the Big Bang Theory is their only strong contender. Like they had some, they had some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it is. And you you start to watch it, and it's like it feels very stale and dated. Like it was funny for the first couple seasons, but uh they keep coming back with these. Uh and the only ones that are doing any good it coming up in the future are the revivals. Fuller House. I guess Will and Grace had a following because it came back. The Roseanne comeback, you know, is probably gonna do good for at least a little bit because it has a ready made audience, the nostalgia yeah. audience. Yeah. But the actual good comedy on tv now is all single cam and that's like i said that was amazing to me because that's a technological change that shaped entertainment once it went to multicam you got the live studio audience you got the can last and that just grabbed the imagination of every suit in tinseltown that was making a comedy oh no we cannot we cannot go to back to uh, weirdly enough Brady Bunch was one of the last single cam shows from the 20th century. Wow. <clears throat> but yeah, like once I Love Lucy became such a huge hit, everything else became right. followed right behind it. You know, blueprint. Yeah. And so, I mean, I love some of these shows, Seinfeld, Cheers. Right. I, I, mean, I loved Arrested Development back when I was a kid and I watched it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, Friends, I, I, I still love Friends, but I'm not going to sit there and look at Friends as being a smart comedy. It was just, it was well written and had good jokes. But it's not an rest of development. It's not even an office or a modern family. Right. It's it it is what it is. It's the lowest common denominator. Oh my god, can you imagine the office with a laugh track? Like there's that gotta be there's gotta be a YouTube clip where they throw laugh tracks on these things and watch it just fall apart. That would be absolutely horrendous if because the office had a laugh track. If you watch the opposite, you take a laugh track show and take away the laugh track, it's awkward and weird. Oh yeah. And we, we actually talked about that yeah. a little while ago when you take away the laugh track from Friends, Ross. Well, the, everybody's an asshole. They're just, Jim, they're just assholes. The biggest asshole in the world, and Ross is like creepy. Mm-hmm. Like some of the things Ross says are like serial murderer, serial rapist, <laughs> creepy, and the laugh track actually changes that completely and makes him this lovable doofus. Because it's a signal. It's a signal that you're supposed to find this, not take this seriously. Right. Well, and like one I watched was Frasier with that laugh track. And I'm like, and you're sitting there like, these people are mean and awkward. Yeah. Like they, they truly don't actually like each other because without the laugh track, they just kind of look at each other and they don't say a word. What? Because it's they're insulting each other. They call each other idiots. Yeah. And they look at each other and they don't say <laughs> each other. And like, oh my God, were they planning to kill each other? This is terrible. Yeah. Completely robotic. Oh, and that's its own entertainment. But yeah. Yeah. That's, so- um, but yeah, the multi-camera, single-camera thing was—I thought—I thought that was kind of fascinating. That 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 shaped the way we watched entertainment, and we had no idea, no is idea that there that was going. an equivalent for non-comedies. Is there is there some sort of formula that applies to something that's not a comedy? Well, I'll tell you. I don't know if this is what you're thinking, but I'll tell you something I noticed. Um, if you're watching a TV show, or something like I don't know, ER or Law and Order, something like that. And you see it on one of these 4K TVs yeah, where it looks like it's actually live. I personally find that so off-putting that I would rather not watch it at all. I hate watching something that's super high definition where it looks like it's live. And it's one of these, you know, hour-long dramas. These procedural dramas or something. Yeah. I hate to be in your living room. Like seeing something like a sitcom in that way, even something that's, well, I don't know. I haven't haven't seen one, but I, I would imagine even something like 
you know, rest of development or something. Seeing it with the ultra high def would probably be fine. I'd be okay with that. But for whatever reason, watching like a drama in that vein is unsettling to me. Yeah. Like that's technology gone too far. I, I do think that like, I know they try and outdo themselves every single season, every, every holiday season, they're trying to sell new TVs. Cause let's face it. Like they've sold flat screens to death. Like mm-hmm. the bubble is gonna have to burst, burst because I mean, flat screen doesn't mean anything to me anymore. Like, right? I mean, th- we're talking about a generation of people now that don't know the old school, you know, eight hundred pound CRT TV. Mm-hmm. They don't, like that's just never been in their world. But um, they always have to outdo themselves in some way. So, like, three D was a thing for a while, and you had to have a three D TV. Well, I never went out and bought one because. I tried one in the store mm-hmm. and I thought this is unfucking believable. This looks fantastic. It's 3D. It's great. But I got to wear I got to wear glasses. Exactly. I, I had to wear something in order to watch TV just to have it in 3D. No, thanks. I remember the first time I saw an advertisement for it. Like the first time I realized that was a thing. I think it was like when I first moved out here because me and a couple of my friends that are no longer living in the state went to like a Best Buy. And like you said, you know, you could try it out. But even before I remember seeing the advertisement, I'm like, I told one of them, this is never going to last. He's like, what are you talking about? This looks so cool. I'm like, think about it. You will have to sit there and watch TV with a helmet on or these glasses or whatever the hell it is. Like that's going to get so old so quick. Yeah. And the only way that would be saved is if the content producers kept up with it, like made things in 3D specifically for that format so that you'd be like, okay, it's a little awkward to watch it with glasses on, but it's worth it because... I'm seeing all these amazing things. But, and it's, it's like, nobody's going to do that. And sure enough, that was such a flash in the pan. The 3D TVs came and went like a burp in the wind. Well, <clears throat> I remember seeing the first HD TV. My, my first experience with HD was in a Best Buy. And I was all the way across the store. And the screen was on like a 60-inch big screen TV, HD. And it was crystal clear from like all the way across the store. And I thought, holy shit. Mm. Like, that is the best picture on a TV I've ever seen in my entire life. There's no way. How can they top that? Mm -hmm. How can they get any better? And then, of course, now we have, you know, Ultra HD and then 4K. And now there's going to be another thing. It's just like they're inventing things for us to... So we'll buy more TVs and, you know, that's not going to happen in my house. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's good thing. That's capitalism. Yeah. You always got to get better. So people will still stay interested. Do you know what has stayed consistent technology wise since its inception? As far as I'm concerned, I mean, there have been additions here and there, but in my opinion, technologically, the one thing that has been just steadfast is surround sound. I thought you were going to say dildos, but I I got you with surround sound. (laughs) Well, if you have a surround sound dildo, when you can, <laughs> when you can actually feel internally the sound of a TV, <laughs> I don't need a subwoofer. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, it's worth it. I, once I sit on this thing, it's going to be like a whole new world. Yeah. I'm going to watch Days of Thunder. Don't you my, close your eyes. My 4K surround sound dildo. <laughs> oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Look, I'm a little uncomfortable, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Saving Private Ryan is my favorite movie. <laughs> Just oh, feel it rumble. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. You watch Titanic when the guy hits propeller. You're like, ooh. <laughs> Do it again. Doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that's going to be season three of Masters of Profundication. We're gonna we're gonna roll it out with uh, surround sound dildo, and you'll be able to listen to our voices. Hey, this one's for you. <laughs> to the person that bought the dildo, this is for you. Um, no surround sound. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Um, once it became a thing, it's it's pretty consistent, and I'll tell yeah, you that I mean, how do you it does absolutely enhance the viewing of any movie, even even movies that are very subtle that you wouldn't think would benefit from surround sound. They usually do. I remember um, one of the first movies I watched with surround sound was Black Rain. Is that it? Anyway, uh... it was it was over at a friend's house, and they had speakers in the back. And you could hear footsteps and rain, you know, like water droplets and stuff like that behind you while you're watching a movie in front of you. And I thought that that was unfucking believable. It was cool. It was so good that you could tell the rain was black. Yes, just by hearing it. Ain't <laughs> it no racist. white rain? That's a black rain. <laughs> that's ra- that's really racist. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> I'm not sure where that came from. I apologize. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> oh no, you don't. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, so, technologically, one of the things that we discussed possibly moving forward uh, before we get to the hologram TV is, I think, like virtual reality. Well, I I feel like, and not to cut you off, but I feel like we should save our our um, predictions. Guess, yeah, predictions okay. for the future. All right. Because there's there's a couple aspects I I thought that were worth talking about too, which was like music. Like if if if, te- if technology dictates content, then the '80s <laughs> were all about like oh my god, synthesizers and electric this and holy you know key guitars and we yes. can make everything with electronics. And all of a sudden you had new wave and you had electronica and you had techno and just all these different music genres just pop up overnight almost. Yes. Um, because of the way technology was able to make them like the story about the, the, even something which seems basic, but the story about the, the uh, advent of hip hop was in New York city. Everybody got a hold of turntables and all of a sudden hit hip hop became a thing. Yeah. Because um, of the turntables. I heard a story about the, the way we listen to guitar nowadays, that electric, like distorted static sound that is like the familiar electric guitar sound we hear today was actually an accident. Hmm. Um, I, I really wish I could remember now and anybody that's listening that wants to really dive in and look it up the, um, because there were electric guitars that were very clean sounding. Hmm. Um, and there was a short in one of the cables and somebody played. I, it wasn't Louie Louie, but it was a song like that. Like back in the day, somebody was, they were playing a song for to record it. And it was a normal electric clean sound. And there was a short in the wire and it came out that, bam, bam, you know, like <laughs> the, the type of electric guitar sound you, you're right, used right. to hearing. That's what sound was produced. And it absolutely, it, like, as you can imagine, it just shot through the roof. Like people love that sound. So they, they went to duplicating it. And now we have Motley Crue. Hey. But um, it's just funny how something like that, it, where an accidental mm-hmm. sound gets made, can totally completely revolutionize like before i told that story you probably never would have even thought about where the sound of an electric guitar comes from 
No, I mean, because of that, you get stuff like, you know, just be just a regular electric guitar, but that type of thing leads to like grunge. Like that whole genre depends on the sound, a, you know, the, the kind of crunchy distorted sound, of, the sort of sound that, that electric guitar can make. Yeah. And so, yeah. You know, all heavy metal. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you can hear acoustic versions of heavy metal songs and they can sound cool, but they're not the same and they're not heavy metal. Not really. Right. But even entire genres like Moby owes his entire career to computers, you know. Right. Yeah. Skrillex, you know, stuff like that. Like these guys, if if there was apocalypse, they'd be shit out of luck because they could not. <laughs> nobody's. They're not gonna sit around the fire in the village and, and hey, you know, hey guys, wow, the people with there because <laughs> they can't. They have yeah. no ability to. Can somebody ride this bicycle I've hooked up to my <laughs> laptop so I can play you a song? And what's Look, funny? I need though, to take the cheese grater to my <laughs> testicles. <laughs> Because that's uh, the only way I can recreate what I had at the beginning. Well, in EDM, electronic music gets a bad rap, I think, because, you know, it, people make fun of it because you don't need to be musically inclined. You just need to know how to run a laptop. And I'll tell you from experience, it's not that easy. Like, Well, I'll you tell know, you this. Like, I say the same thing. Like, nothing, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And I get, like, I'm not going to shit on Skrillex or anything like that. But people that auto-tune their voices... That's where I kind of think that is over-reliance on yeah. electronic stuff. But, I mean, some of the people that auto-tune their voice while they're singing and you don't know it, you know, eh, well. what's what's the difference? I've, I've listened to some artists live and thought, holy fuck, this person sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and in, your, in the end, you're watching a performance. So take, for example, Britney Spears. Mm. She uses a track that she sings over. And you can go on YouTube right now and listen to or watch videos of Britney Spears with her microphone, just listening to her microphone. So her her actual voice as she's singing the song with the recorded voice, she's kind of, she's not lip syncing. She's really singing, but she's singing with the album version over her version. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you can hear all the imperfections and the way some of those people move on stage. Like they're out of breath. They're 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 out of breath for half the show. Right. And that's not just Britney Spears doing a dance number. That's, that's actual, you know, like guns and roses and, you know, these other bands that are playing that you can hear the stress in their voice because they're trying to put on a show. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, when they're recording an album, they do one song, they take a break go back in do another when you're doing a concert you're right you can take and a break so, but you're just pretty much one after another after another right and they're moving around the stage and yeah you know it's a it's a marathon i guess to to put on an actual show and so sometimes when i'm at a concert and it doesn't sound that the the vocals don't sound very tight i guess is mm-hmm. how they say it in the business um i guess i wouldn't mind having auto-tune or some sort of <clears throat> over track to maybe hear a better song i i like live music because you kind of get some of those imperfections but if it's too bad like i bought uh poison did a uh, show and they put out an album from it called seven days live maybe something like that and brett michaels vocals are trash they're absolute mm-hmm. trash it's it was a waste of money to buy that because they sound that terrible now i've <laughs> seen poison live and they were phenomenal but for whatever reason they sold that album and i regret it i regret buying it because it was just the vocals <laughs> are that bad he's out of breath you can tell he's like he sounds like he's you know obese and 
you know, let me out fat. Let me out. No, just out of breath. Just probably he's no, no. I envision him a fatty in his fat voice. Well, no, John Popper did a really good job, but you know, I envision him sitting in a recliner, like a lazy boy recliner on stage, and just like belting out a couple of notes, and then and then singing again and. Like talking about on skinny pop. <laughs> letting the audience sing for most of it. Um and Motley Cruz the same way. Like they played one show too many. And Vince Neal, who's this fat fuck that's rolling around <laughs> stage. <laughs> completely out of breath. <laughs> I just I just I get what you mean about he sounds overweight, but I just I keep imagining why like Fat Brett Michaels going like, yeah, yeah, give me a bucket of KFC or else I'm not going on stage. Yeah. And then singing through like with spittle of like grease and skin <laughs> and meat that, flying okay. his mouth. I tell you what, you go to YouTube and you look up Poison Seven Days Live and listen <laughs> to some of those songs. And watch for the KFC. And you just, yeah, it's terrible. The vocals are just absolute trash. <laughs> so, okay, I get what you mean. They're like, you'd rather hear something more familiar, something that sounds good. But I mean, in the studio version, the obviously audio tuned, like, and this, and I guess there's probably exceptions, but it's always these bubblegum pop princesses that want to be, you know, they look good, maybe can sort of hold a note, but they look good enough that they can become a star. So they auto to the fuck out of their voices. Yeah. And it's like, oh, 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 oh. You know, exactly <laughs> that was like perfectly auto tuned. <laughs> and it's was, like, that was my favorite song. Come on. See, I could go to a studio and auto tune myself and make it. <laughs> Oh, uh, I think that we need to do that. I think that we should do an episode auto-tuned. I wonder what our voices would sound like. I don't even know how to use auto-tune. I don't even know. Can you do it? Can you take a... You, there's got to be a way to just apply audio to an auto, you know, auto-tuning program. But yeah, I mean, I just feel like that's cheating and lame, I guess. I don't know. That's my opinion. If I mean, like, I, like I always say, if you like it, you like it. Whatever. I'm not going to shit on your tastes. My tastes are that that's cheating and that you're getting a buy because you have a nice ass and pricky dimples. <laughs> oh, there's there. <laughs> I can do it. I can auto tune. But it, it says almost specifically here. You have to record yourself singing, not talking. <laughs> that's not necessarily true. Like, there is this um, thing called we are all connected where they took it sounds lame but i actually really like it somebody took a bunch of uh quotes like audio quotes from different scientists like harold sagan and neil degrasse tyson and uh bill nye just different things they've said and auto-tuned it and put it to like a beat and like some background music so it sounds sort of like they're singing they're not really singing but it makes it more like musical and with the background music it's the whole thing comes off as a song it's actually really good i actually kind of like it it's kind of cool <laughs> Well, it's so I, nerdy it is. It's super nerdy, but I actually really like it. I'll um for those of you listening, I will try really hard uh, during the editing process of this episode. <laughs> I will try and auto-tune Steve's uh song he just <laughs> sang to us. Oh god. That's great. What um, what desired key would you like? Uh F sharp. <laughs> I totally know what that is. Okay. okay. Uh, I'll see if I can auto-tune it. 
with what little rinky dink software I have. Put it as a little Easter egg at the end of the. As you, uh, you, you didn't do that again, did you? That one time I you put the Easter egg in. I put the Easter. That's only for our dedicated listeners. People that listen anybody, all the way through. Anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, if you have to ask, then you don't need to know. Yeah, you're not cool. There, enough. there's at least one hidden gem amongst. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty good too. Yeah, so I'll try and include more of that. But if I if every single episode has an Easter egg, then it won't be an Easter egg anymore. Yeah, then it won't be special. It'll be an expectation that people have, and uh, I I don't like having those types of expectations. <laughs> so okay, so another topic I thought was worthwhile to talk about, at least a little bit, was game technology. Ooh, that and I don't I'm not don't necessarily mean like different, you know, better consoles, eight bit to sixteen bit to thirty two, but I mean the paraphernalia, the accessories <laughs> that always came with these fucking games, like these different systems. Well, do you want to roll backwards or do you want to start from the beginning? What do you mean by the beginning? Like what do you consider the beginning? Well, what I consider the beginning is my beginning. Okay. Like I, I know that like the joystick because in the very beginning it was you know, like holding two magnetic pads together. You know, if you wanted to have something happen on screen, you could tap metal to magnet. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like, that's what you started off with, you know, Pong or whatever was a joystick. Well, was it? Was it a little wheel on a paddle type? I'm sure they were all types. When we got to Atari, where I started my video gaming career, Mm. uh, you know, the Atari had the joystick, but we also had that paddle wheel for Kaboom. Anybody mm-hmm. listening that knows what Kaboom is, you know the the hours and hours of frustration of playing the same level <laughs> over and over and over. But we, um, we talked about this old. I mean, this is a side, but old video games were punishing. Yes, like, they were. Old video games were hard as shit. They punished you. Yeah. They whipped you into shape. Um. So then the if you had if you went to a stand up arcade, they had the joystick with the push buttons. Mm-hmm. And then, but those had multiple buttons that did different functions. And then they had the the big ball, the big spinning ball for like bowling and golf. And oh uh, my god, you're right. Yes, asteroids. I yeah. um, centipede or yeah, centipede had centipede, it. Yeah. Uh, so there was that, and then it went to like ColecoVision, and the Commodore sixty four had like game pads mm-hmm. and then nintendo had game pads and nintendo has always been the innovator as far as i'm concerned yes i agree with you and that's good and bad very bad in some because one of my favorite video game franchises is the legend of zelda and i think it's twilight princess and skyward sword that came out for the wii mm-hmm. um at least twilight princess you could play with a controller but I think Skyward Sword was almost exclusively you had to use the the nunchucks the not the nunchucks but the you used the nunchuck plugged into the controller and almost everything was you had to stand there and mm. like if you wanted to use the sword you had to actually play with the virtual sword you couldn't you couldn't play the game with just a gamepad right right and I there were a few games that were like that for the Wii that kind of ruined it for me. See, I remember I never played it that much, but a friend of mine had the Harry Potter game yeah. for Wii, which you use the you know the controller as like a wand, and he's like, okay, you got to move it up and to the left to do this spell, and you know zigzag it to do this other spell and stuff like that. And I remember distinctly thinking, wow, that looks so cool. And then five minutes later, going, okay, I know I would be sick of that within twenty minutes of playing this yeah. game. 
Yep. Like, and that's, I would get real sick of that real quick. Absolutely true. That I didn't find myself enjoying any of those games beyond, you know, normal gameplay. Mm-hmm. Like once you got it out, out of your system, even the sports game, like the number one selling video game in the history of consoles is like Wii Sports. <laughs> and it's got a bunch of sports that you use like bowling. So mm-hmm. you could be the best Nintendo Wii bowler there is, but you turn that thing the wrong way for just one bowl and you've ruined your entire match. You know, you've, you know, it, it, you had to do it perfectly. And to me, like that wasn't that great. And they also had the, um, another accessory they had for the Wii was the, the scale. Mm-hmm. And that had all kinds of balancing games. Those are really, really fun, but they get old fast. Yeah, and that's I I feel like Nintendo dropped the ball on the Wii because they overestimated how much the novelty of that would have staying power and underestimated how much people actually want. Like what people get out of video games is really it's cerebral. It tickles a part of your brain that's almost like an addiction center that is like, okay, I have a level to beat. I have this some games, you know, I have this story I want to get through to find out what happens. I have this thing I can do that's really fun because I can add to my character or take away from this and I can so on and so forth. It's the cerebral aspect to it that is the addicting part of video games. Not, hey, I get to wave my arm and the bowling ball goes down the alley. I get to wave my arm and the tennis racket swings. You right. know, I get to swing this wand for real. That was a novelty that wore off quick. And the Wii's, I guess I've read this somewhere that the Wii sales went off a cliff after the first like couple of years. Yeah. Well, like I said, some of those are extremely fun right out the gate, but then, but it didn't stop the competitors from copying them because yeah. what did PlayStation come out with? <laughs> they came out with the same wands that the Wii had. Yeah. And then and Xbox. what did Xbox, Xbox came out with the connect camera. Connect. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they did their damnedest to copy. Yeah. I mean, any, anything that's a fad is going to have, you know, copycats, but the thing with the PlayStation and the Xbox was those are add-ons. So yeah. once you got sick of it, you still had a PlayStation you still had an Xbox. True. The Wii was, that's all it was. Yeah. And I remember hearing about that years ago where I heard about it. Then I started thinking, yeah, it makes sense. Everybody I knew with a Wii, that thing's totally collecting dust right now. The Wii U came out, which was better, I guess. I don't know. Like you're one of the few people I knew that actually had one. So I don't know, but. I love the shit out of my Wii U. Yeah. I have two games I play on it. (laughs) Mario Kart and uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Right, right. But that was more like a regular system, you know? Yes. It was. It has, it has it's gimmicky parts to it where you can have the screen on the controller. Yep, that stuff. But it was still more like a regular system. And I remember thinking that was kind of sad. Like Nintendo was the console of my youth. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, sixty four, even the GameCube, somewhat. Where like that's what I grew up on. And having Nintendo have such a swing and a miss was just kind of depressing for me. Oh, I don't but know. they've come back with the Switch. Is have they? Yeah. The Switch lets you take your game anywhere you want to go. I guess. I don't know. My my little. My <laughs> What's little your favorite nephew? game that you play on the PlayStation right now? <laughs> PlayStation. I don't even know. Uh, Final Fantasy something. I guess. I don't know. Didn't you just get a PlayStation? Yeah, that's the only game I have for it. Final Fantasy fifteen. Yeah. So imagine that, like, if you were going somewhere, like when you leave and go to Michigan, imagine <laughs> that you could take that with you in just a small handheld thing. That's. 
come on now. That's that's cool. Nope, that nope. would not appeal to me at all. But what if they were hot chicks at the airport waiting for you? To <laughs> look over your they shoulder. They would say, "Ah, oh, you got that new sword." I'm going to zip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a flesh sword. Now, if you'll just insert this surround sound dildo, we can I... play together. <laughs> Do you got the add-on dildo? Yeah, baby, I got it all. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get up and go to the bathroom in five minutes. Yeah, get off this fucking plane because you're scaring the shit out of me. <laughs> well, they've got a new thing for the Switch that's coming out that lets you put together like cardboard things that will then become functional. Um, like the VR thing. It's kind of, yeah. It's there's there's VR stuff that goes with it, well, but I mean, I feel like that's not really VR so much as like just surround like perspective surround sound like instead of surround sound it's just like pure perspective screen because you're yeah. sticking in front of your eyes without any distractions i i don't know i don't feel like that's vr to me yeah i don't know either but but we didn't talk about the highs and lows of accessories for video games <laughs> please you know? let's bring up well let me <laughs> let me go first because it'll be quick uh the track not the trackpad it's the track and field game pad which so, is not actually track and field <laughs> correct yeah I, I was sense corrected it yeah, is yeah. like world championship track or whatever it's called for Which the Nintendo. I would have up and down on track and field, but I'll yeah, go with it. It's not. Um, that was fun. I like that thing. It was, the, again, it was fun for a minute, but when you actually wanted to win, you got down on your hands and knees and you used the palms of your hands to slap the mat <laughs> instead of standing up and pretending but to run. But if you had honor, if you had the real sportsman spirit. Well, this is funny to me because I feel like, the original Nintendo had, they went nuts with the accessories because right off the bat, they had Robbie the Robot. Yep. Which was cool for two seconds until you realized the thing was terrible. Yeah. And then, like, I, had a, I had a friend that had that thing that I think we talked about. It had a cradle. You put the controller in. It had these little spinny top type of things. Yeah. Move, drop on the button to hit the button, pick it up, move it again. It was, it was, it was cool for two seconds. And you're like, wow, this thing sucks. And you stopped using it. But you think of the times. You think of the times and the the look of that robot. You put that in the back of a friggin' Sears catalog wish book. <laughs> Every kid's gonna want that little robot. Oh, yeah. Every kid. I can play video games with a robot, buddy. This is great. But they also had stuff like even like the trackpad was cool. But even special controllers. Like I I don't remember what it's called. Like a like a turbo controller. Basically, it was like a a big pad like a platform with a joystick yeah and then two big buttons and then you could hit another another button that turned on the turbo mode which was like basically super fast hit the button over and over and over again yeah so like games like ninja gaiden or or um contra you could have rapid fire which you like just hit the button once and you don't have to keep like tapping 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 i actually love that thing that thing was great for a lot of games there's one nearby me I looked at it yesterday on the Facebook Marketplace. They have one that works for ten bucks. What's it called? Do you remember? I don't remember offhand. Um, like the Turbo Pad or was, some shit. It was like called that. the. It was called the Turbo Controller, I believe. Yeah. I don't look at it. And then there's the the classic, the light gun. You know, oh hunt. the zapper, the zapper, the light zapper. Those that was cool. Especially for it's, there's like nothing like that. The fact that you could take this thing, plug it in, and that was it. You didn't have to have like a uh, any kind of frame for it, any kind of like a node to catch the signal. You just point this gun at your TV, pull the trigger, you could shoot things on your TV. And it worked really well. And it was really cool. Duck Hunt was a fun game. Um, I was talking to somebody else about this the other day. I had a game called Gumshoe. Yeah. Where it was like Mario. But the guy, but the guy moved across the screen automatically. 
and you shot at his feet to get him to hop up in the air and move over platforms and stuff like that. That was fun. That was actually a good game. But then they had something else. (laughs) How badly have you wanted to talk about this? Oh, my God. Fuck you, Fred Savage. Fuck you. (laughs) So hard. Oh, <laughs> uh, the power glove. Oh, the power glove. The wiz- The Fred Savage reference, if anybody has no idea what I'm talking about. Fred Savage is the movie called The Wizard, where they unveiled the power glove before it was on the market. And yeah, everybody wanted the power glove. Like, the power glove even today looks cool. And to those initiated... Uh, our logo. <laughs> yep for this for this show, Masters of Profundication. Steve is actually wearing a Nintendo Power Glove, and that has quite a bit of significance because we had the Power Glove. Me and my brother begged our parents one year to get us a Power Glove for Christmas. I think. I think. I I want to say we even said some bullshit like this will be our Christmas and our birthday presents rolled into right. one. Forego like, all presents for the rest of the year. We need the Power Glove, which my parents were good parents, so they were merciful they did not <laughs> skip out on our birthday presents because our neither of our birthdays are around christmas so we had plenty of time to regret that <laughs> that ultimatum but uh yes it was we we were so geeked up about this this was something if you don't have any idea it was a it was a glove obviously that you slipped on your hand and it was only i don't know why i never thought of this it was only for the right hand so if you're left-handed you're shit out of luck <laughs> <laughs> the right hand and you slipped it on and went right up to your forearm and you were supposed, the idea was you held it out because it had this like, it came with this little like laser motion detector frame that you put on top of your TV. So it read the movements of your hand and you're supposed to use it to move. Like if I have my, nobody can see me doing this, but I have my hand sticking out towards the screen, palms, palm down, fingers spread. And I like move it to the right and the character moves across the screen, move to the left, the character moves left. I go up and the character jumps. I go down, the character jumps. That technically worked not well very laggy very slow response time but the real kick of the crotch came was what did nintendo have it had a d-pad and it had a and b buttons yeah so what are the a and b buttons that was your fucking thumb and your index finger were your a and b buttons (laughs) so you twitch your goddamn thumb and the character jumps or runs or shoots or whatever the fuck that button does and you're like shit i didn't mean to do that you twitch your finger and he does the other thing and you're you're sitting there going <laughs> moving your hand around wiggling your fingers it's like it's like when they came out with the wii they didn't learn, learn their lesson from the power glove yeah because it got old real quick besides the fact that it was laggy unresponsive but then oddly too sensitive where you didn't want it to be like it was the can, worst combination of both can you take us back and describe yourself the moment you realized <laughs> that this was a bad choice i really can't because i feel like we're pressed up but i'll i'll reenact it to what i imagine i must have felt <clears throat> so let me put this glove on oh i can feel the power it is an aptly named device it is powerful and a glove <laughs> <laughs> so let me hear let me say i got this all hooked up i got my little frame on my tv so it can read my motions what game am i gonna play what game am i gonna play oh I always love Super Mario Brothers 2. That's really fun. I, I, I can take the princess and make her float. I'm really good with that. So let me try that. I'm going to, let me see. I'm going to move my hand. No, no, I moved it to the left, but I meant right. Okay, look, I just got to get used to it. No, don't jump. Don't. What the fuck? Why did you duck? I didn't watch it. Oh my God, I died. Okay, we're going to start over. Okay, let me move. Let me, okay, move, move, move faster. No, don't go backwards. What the fuck? Okay, my arm's getting tired. 
and oh, what the fuck? Ah, God damn it, taking this glove off. You try it. <laughs> Do we still have the uh, I imagine I imagine that scenario working itself out in so many American homes that year. <laughs> Oh God! There was so just I I I feel like the day we got it was the only day we used it. I may, I might not even be exaggerating. Yeah. Like after the end of that day, we me and my brother both looked at each other, going, "Well, fuck this thing," and <laughs> put it on the shelf and never use it again. Oh, that's so disappointing. It was so bad. And that's what's funny is I never had one, and I I wanted one so bad, but yeah. I knew there was no way I was getting one. So uh, you, like, you it still stayed. You know, until I heard your tale of woe, it stayed in my brain as this thing that I wanted so bad. <laughs> You're missing out on a good story. It's like it's like having a story about getting your ass kicked in a bar fight or something. Yeah. Like it sucks at the time, but you have a like an entertaining anecdote to tell the people later. <laughs> I guess that's what you're missing out on. <laughs> yeah. I just like but, to have one just to wear it around because that thing looked bad ass. Well, my brother found it a couple of years ago. Like it's it's around somewhere. Like we have it. Like it exists somewhere. I want to get it from him. Like yeah, I want to have it. Probably worth hundreds of dollars on it eBay. Probably is. That's why I probably can't just take it from him. That would be fair. But whatever. <laughs> well, it does belong to both of you. You should you should share time with it. So, <laughs> I'll ship it back to him when I'm done with it. Yeah, when you're done <laughs> holding it up and looking at it and then cursing it. Yeah. Fuck you, giving itself the middle finger. <laughs> But I mean, the funny thing about this, I watched, I watched a little video on the power, the history of the Power Glove. The guy that made it had this idea of making games just for the Power Glove. Like, like, the, like this is a new thing. This is unprecedented. But there's nothing that works with it. So I'm going to make a whole series of games that are just for the Power Glove. One game was made. I think it was called like Hand of Power or something hokey like that. Where you, basically, you literally and I did not have this game. We did not have this game for this Power Glove. It didn't come with it, so we didn't buy it. But basically, it's it's a, like a little game. Like um, you you have a hand on screen that corresponds to your movements and whatever, and you grab the ball that's flying across and you throw it to this part and you slap this thing down and whatever. It's like you control a hand on screen with your hand. Yeah, probably it probably was kind of fun. I don't know. But Nintendo said to this inventor guy that had the concept for it and the, the guy that's making it said, okay, one of the stipulations if we're going to fund this, it has to be backwards compatible for all our games. It has to work for every game we have and the guy's wow. like all right i guess <laughs> and of course it fucking did it was terrible and laggy and horrible and heartbreaking and soul crushing <laughs> oh. but if you ever watch that movie the wizard you'll know exactly what scene i'm talking about with this kid this bully or whatever i don't know has the power glove and it lets him dominate and that was the selling point that was the marketing scheme how many power gloves did they sell because of that scene in that movie yeah fucking kid Yep. Bastard. So yeah, technology could have shaped content in that situation, but the guy wasn't allowed to and the thing was just panned almost right out the gate. This that you know, they sold a lot, you know, that Christmas and then it went right over the cliff, so they never bothered to make new games for it. And I almost feel like it, it maybe that was a wasted opportunity. Maybe they could have a lot of weird spanking games or something. I don't know. Spanking something, games. Yeah, it's something you do with you moving your hand around, spanking things on screen. I'm going to say in Japan, they probably had that. That's definitely how they did in Scotland. So, Well, that's how they do it in Scotland. I'm here to inform you that we're seconds away from time travel. <gasps> no! I'm not ready. I don't need to see the future yet. Spring forward, right? Yeah. Yes. My what clock is, is going to go from 159 to 1 o'clock. 
to no oh, three a.m. There it is. I just, it. It just went yeah. three a.m. I even had the wrong daylight savings. Shit. <laughs> we time traveled an hour in the future. We should we should start taking note of things. So when we go back, <laughs> what's changed? We have to uh, keep what are the lottery numbers? God damn what it! Did we, what did we lose? What did we lose in that hour? That that hidden Bermuda Triangle hour. Uh, well, my for some reason my pants are unbuckled and my butt hurts. <laughs> I have a tattoo on my arm that I didn't have. That's weird. <laughs> I may mm. have been abducted by aliens <laughs> that unbuckled your pants. What yeah, is it that they can find out about us by probing our anus? Why can't they? Why don't they have more sophisticated equipment that they can maybe do an MRI for Christ's sake? Look, you know, at this point, it's just to. It's like a dare. It's like cow tipping for them. Listen, we go to go down. We're going to grab this guy. How many anuses can you yeah. probe? Watch what happens when we stick this up there. It's amazing. It's the funniest thing. You should see the look on their face when they these... get a probe in the ass. <laughs> All these aliens have like girlfriends in the corner going, oh, this is so stupid. Can we leave yet? <laughs> Come on. No, no, baby. No, baby. This is going to be great. Watch. Look at them. Oh, look at them go. <laughs> You know, I think we should see other people. <laughs> oh, those alien girlfriends. <laughs> oh, so, so have we have we missed anything? Uh, I had a whole thing. Um, YouTube. If we're talking about how technology has shaped content, that's definitely a thing. Is YouTube. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I remember back in 1997, I started working for a school district doing their computers mm-hmm. and in doing that i i was fortunate enough to work with the university of maine to bring the internet to the schools and i'm talking high speed internet um this was still at a time where not every home had a computer hooked up to the internet it was more you know a lot of homes had computers and a lot of those people with computers had dial-up access that's that's mm-hmm. what we're talking for internet and I remember my boss at the time, I got the um, internet hooked up and hooked up to his computer on his desk. And what is it do you think was the first thing he wanted to do on the internet? And I, <laughs> I apologize to anybody that knows him and I'm not going to use any names. But anyway, uh, what is it do you think the first thing he wanted to look at on the internet? Naked pictures of Captain Janeway. No, he wanted to watch uh, a funny television commercial. <laughs> he the like. There's this thing called Ching. It's the funniest thing ever. I want to see it. Uh, no, it was. Um, I can't even remember the commercial. It was a car commercial where a guy was chasing chickens around in his yard in a car, and he was sticking his head out the window. Going, bark, 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 bark. <laughs> it was a it was a stupid commercial at the time. It was funny, mm-hmm. but like that was the first thing he wanted to do on the internet. It wasn't like let's check the news or mm-hmm. stock prices or the weather or like any of that stuff. It was mm-hmm. can I see a video of a funny commercial? <laughs> <laughs> so I think YouTube got it right, and now you can go to YouTube and pretty much see virtually anything you want. Even if it's just a clip of something yeah. that you want to watch, there is enough content on you. I mean, we're using YouTube right now. Oh, I know. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's been because of YouTube, because of the ability to see certain clips of things you like. I have avoided buying DVDs of movies 
you know, back when I still bought DVDs. Because there's been movies that I liked well enough, but mostly I just like certain scenes from it. Like, I'm trying to think of stuff like... Um, any of the Marvel movies, like the yeah. fight scene in the elevator. Right, from exactly. Like, yeah, like the Winter Soldier, the fight scene where they fight in the street, I thought was really cool. I found that on YouTube, so I never felt... That was like one of the best parts of the movie. Never felt the need to buy, you know, the digital copy or the DVD or anything like that. And there's... there's I can't think of offhand, but there's more over the years. But that technology, that ability just to be like, in two seconds, I can watch that really cool scene of Neo kicking Agent Smith's ass at the end of The Matrix, or... <coughs> You, you want to if if you want to watch the lightsaber battle between Luke and Darth Vader in the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah, or even better, I could watch the one good scene from Phantom Menace, which is Darth Maul fighting Obi Wan and Qui Gon. Yep. I don't have to slog through the whole movie. I can just watch that scene anytime I want to. Yeah, and YouTube hasn't always been like that. No, like I remember uh, a time, children sit down and listen to this tale of woe. <laughs> there once was a time when you logged into YouTube, you went to YouTube.com, and you couldn't find just anything you wanted to. If commercial content was there, it was blocked or taken down because it was always... Yeah, there was there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't there. I mean, it was incredible. But YouTube has their own facilities for people to go and record and edit and do things like that. And then there are people that make their entire living off YouTube. I know we've talked about it before, but um, like there are professional television studio type mm-hmm. material that you can watch on YouTube that have has been created solely for YouTube. Um, and now that they've got YouTube bread that is taking the place of like their paid content, kind of like Netflix, their streaming service, mm-hmm. they've got they've got movies that they've made. There's one that is, looks interesting. I haven't watched it, but now I can't remember the name of it, but it's about they basically ex- the kids in high school have to pass a test and like oh, only the top yeah, 10 yeah. that pass the test survive. And yeah, I saw like a little trailer for that. And that was, it does seem interesting. Yeah, that's a YouTube. Well, original. you know what the YouTube original is that I'm actually pissed now. It's not enough to make me pay for a subscription, but Cobra Kai. Oh, <laughs> I I looked at some of the trailers they had for that. And I was like, I kind of want to watch that. Yeah, <laughs> there's a couple of things that are on there that I'd, I'd like to see. But I know if I wait long enough somewhere along the lines, I'll get to see it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is this changes the, the ability to log on and watch these clips changed the the money equation for Hollywood movies. It changed just a, just a pure entertainment factor alone because I can like days gone by. what did you do for entertainment? If you were just sitting there bored, you sat down on your couch, you turned the TV on and whatever the fuck was on cable, you flip, flip through the channels, flip through the channels, flip through the channels, hoping to find something and then kind of settled in. Okay. You know, this looks like it might be interesting. And then you end up watching a movie that once you were done, you're like, eh, maybe it was worth it. Maybe, you know, whatever you, you did that all the time. Like, couch potatoes that was the thing just channel surf channel surf channel surf youtube is now i can sit down and satisfy my boredom for 10 minutes at a time yeah watching this stupid you know animals do this stupid thing or these guys hurt themselves trying to skateboard or you know this person unboxing these things and being all gaga about it whatever the case may be you know i you can you can be entertained for these little packets of time and not have to dedicate yourself to these long extended you know w- watching a movie that you might not be that interested in yeah like that's a good thing but the bad thing is that your attention span has also disappeared like how many times have you sat down like especially i think facebook's notorious for this where somebody posts like a, a video or something and i'm watching and i look like five minutes fuck that shit i don't have five <laughs> yeah. minutes to watch. i don't this. care how interesting this is yeah there's no way <laughs> yeah so the, the, the kills like 
what you expect from invitation from uh, invitation entertainment has been altered i think by youtube by these discrete entertainment packages of a minute at a time two three four minutes at a time yeah like One you can my... find yourself going down these youtube holes like we've all done it the rabbit holes where you watch a clip and then there's another clip and you're like okay oh, i'll watch that one. Oh, there's another one i'll watch that one all of a sudden an hour's gone by and you've just watched 20 different clips or something right. but i can't believe i just watched a guy eat a bar of soap oh hey look <laughs> here's a video of somebody setting themselves on fire <laughs> yes exactly like you find those dark corners of youtube where you're like am i watching this guy blurly molest a horse what's happening here what the fuck's <laughs> happening oh my god what happened to me? yeah well i think that that's kind of the epitome of this whole technology discussion of how entertainment is getting changed because of technology and just mm-hmm. how we consume it you know where we consume it what we consume it's all shaped by technology and and how technology changes and well and this leads into one other thing I want to mention. And we've definitely talked about this, but the Netflix experience, the binging as opposed to watching it week by week. Yeah. It changes. I mean, honestly, this changes society because back in the day, back in the advent of TV, especially when TV really replaced radio and became something that everybody partook in. Like, I want to say somewhere around the, the 60s. Like, I'm probably wrong, but that's what I want to say. So with your Gilligan's Islands, your Brady Bunches, your even stuff like the Miller Child and Moore show i love lucy like all these different things you could be certain that at least a third of your country was watching it with you maybe even half maybe even two-thirds of the country was watching it with you you know everybody saw this episode of like the last episode of mash because he had three networks and there was a limited amount of things yeah so you know if you know thursday night at eight o'clock you all got together to watch this thing and you know sunday night you this other show was on and if this you know like um Johnny Carson, everybody got together to watch Johnny Carson because he was the king of the late night talk shows and all this stuff like that. There was a cohesiveness of society that was born on the backs of the entertainment we took in. And the entertainment we took in was dictated by the limited format that we had at the time. The three network, this is on at 7, this is on at 7.30, this is on at 8, this is on at 8.30, that type of thing. So we were forcibly clumped into these categories that we, you know, some people watch this show, some people watch that show. But you had millions and millions and millions of other people doing it with you. With the advent of Netflix and you know Amazon Prime, all these streaming services with the binge watching, you lose that cohesion. You lose that. Like even stuff that's quote unquote popular will be seen by such a fraction of the population as opposed to the way it used to be. Like something like what's what's popular, like uh, uh, Stranger Things on Netflix yeah. is popular, but my parents have never watched it. I got friends that just now got to it. Right. You know, family members that couldn't even tell you what the hell it's supposed to be about. Whereas everybody knew what Cheers was. You know, everybody, everybody, everybody knows what Gilligan's Island is. Right. Well, yeah, there's that. And it's it's also the fact that some things are not meant to be binge watched. Like um, the best example I have is uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That is a really funny show. But if you put three or four episodes back to back, it's not funny anymore. By the time you're watching the fourth episode, you hate it. Because uh, it's and the same retread. It's it they use the same jokes over and over. Same with The Office, same with a lot of those TV shows. Archer. I mean, Ar- Ar- Archer's terrible because it's the same joke. It's just one long running joke. And if you don't break it up, if you don't it's like some things were meant to be serialized, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um Arrested Development is immune. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but it is. I mean, it. I don't hate to say it because Arrested ever. Development gets a pass for every criticism ever. For <laughs> any but there are um, a lot of TV shows that are not meant to be like that, and. I want to say we've said it before, but Westworld is one of those shows that I don't think I'd want to sit down and watch. No, Game of Thrones is not one of those shows that I would like to sit down and just watch ten episodes. Yeah, that the mystery stuff, the stuff that you want to unpackage and like ruminate, on digest. And, you, yeah, yeah, you have to. And like, I don't know, we're we lose a lot um, by watching five episodes in a row. Yes, and no, and like. I agree with you. Westworld, um, Game of Thrones, these shows like that. Like I would even say, I, I didn't do it, but if I, I had to imagine something like Breaking Bad would be better off, you know, week by week. Yeah. But this is where it comes down to the, the our topic is the technology, the format has changed the content. I feel like because like I just got done binge watching the shit out of the second season of Jessica Jones. I just finished it today. And that that show and all those other Marvel shows with Daredevil, Luke Cage, you know, the Defenders, all that stuff. Those are made specifically for Netflix and it works. Like like people have talked about those shows have pacing problems, but that's on purpose because I feel like it is. I feel like it's on purpose because because of the binge watching nature of they that they know people are going to do it. So they can't they can they can end cliff note uh episodes on cliffhangers but they can't keep any big deep abiding mysteries that need to be unpackaged in there it has to be at least moderately superficial because you they know that people are going to just plow right on through it so if it if it needs you to sit there and dwell on it to think about it then it's going to lose something so they take that into account when they're making these shows so like i just watched jessica jones and it plays out all these shows play like one big long extended movie they don't feel like episodes every episode bleeds into the other one most of them pick up right where the last scene of the one before it ended and the narrative like you're never gonna you're, you're never gonna sit down and uh, episode five have any sense of what's going on whereas even something like Westworld, you can be like, okay, I get it. There's robots. You're going to lose something, but you can, you're going to get it. You're going to understand because they're going to do enough of a, there's enough of a strong narrative to get it. The narrative of these purely for Netflix shows depends on you having watched back to back to back to really keep the narrative, to, to keep the ideas flowing. Yeah. Because they don't do any recaps. They bleed into each other incredibly. They, it's a one long movie that is designed to be been watched. And that's a new thing. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm really not aware of that. That's that's I don't watch a lot of those shows right now simply yes. because I'm I'm working so much, but yeah, I I can see where that would be absolutely 100% technology in the way we consume our entertainment being changed because of the nature of technology. Yeah, it, yeah, like I said, like these are I've, I really feel like the new format type and some of these original shows for Netflix don't follow that that cookie cutter type of thing, but a lot of these shows are like they bleed into each other for on purpose. Like you're seriously, you're watching one big, huge, long movie. So it's it's like the worst part of a movie is where you sit down and you're watching, it and then somebody sits in with you, going, "Oh, what's happening? Oh shit, I missed it. What's going on?" Like that's annoying. That's that would be this show. You can't you can't sit there halfway through it and pick it up. Yeah, like you could sit there and you could be on season three of Breaking Bad and you could get the gist of it pretty quick. You'd miss out on a lot, but you could pick up on the the narrative and enjoy for what it is you could never do that with jessica jones season two episode you know nine and enjoy anything you would have no idea you'd be utterly lost Hmm. it's all like the format that technology has dictated the content 
it has affected the storytelling form that you see. That's wow. fascinating to me. And it works. Like just for what it's worth, I did like Jessica Jones season season two and one because they're morally gray. Like there's no, especially season two, there's no real bad guy at all. Hmm. It's very like nuanced. It's pretty good. I liked it. It's not, I'm not sitting there going, oh my God, this changed the way I think. And nothing like that. But it was worth watching just for whatever that's worth. So, yes. <laughs> well, guess what time it is? It is 2.19. It's 3.19. No, no. Did no, you go back in time? Yep, I went back and take a look. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to stay at this one. How I'm are liking... we communicating? Because I'm at 3.19. I'm, I'm liking what's happening at 2.19. Do we have a mind meld? We are had... we using the force across the universe? We have a magic radio that one one part's in the future, one part's in the past. and Frequency. Yeah, that was such an under-the-radar. I'm surprised you got that one. <laughs> um, I think it's trivia time. Well, or so do you want to like... summarize? Because I'm... I'm fading. You fading? Did you want to talk about the holographic VR stuff like that? Oh yeah. Um, the future. The future. I think the immediate future is virtual reality, and I that's kind of already here, so that's kind of a cheap yeah. one. Um, they had some some stuff during the Super Bowl, during the commercials and stuff like that, where they had people watching something unfold virtual reality and you could kind of watch their experience mm. and then they only showed a little bit and then you could go onto the interwebs and see how the whole thing finished but essentially it was like a like a navy seals type of helicopter rpg machine guns like extraction kind of thing and these people were right in the middle of it and they were watching it it was entertainment but they were right in the middle of it with with their vr headsets on um Okay, so if you say virtual reality is like the future, do you mean for video games exclusively, or like this wasn't like- a video game? This was a this was a story. This was like a TV show that they were involved in. So, so how how were they involved? Like, could they affect it somehow? No, they were just watching it, but it was virtual reality. So things were going on around them, and they could look around and see it. So okay, if something so- were happening behind them, they missed it. If something were happening, you know, because all four of them were experiencing it at the same time. So that's the best way to put it. It was an experience. It wasn't them watching a TV show. They were experiencing a TV show hmm. or so, a movie. Okay. It was it was something. It was some military operation that they were sitting there watching it happen. I never went online to see what happened, but it was basically that was the gist of it was go to this web address and see what happens. Hmm. And so imagine this, if you will, I am sitting in the coffee shop, Central Perk, watching Friends, but I'm sitting on the couch. Right, right, right. I'm I'm sitting on a couch and Monica's talking and she's over my right shoulder so I can look up over my right shoulder and see her talking. And then Chandler talks and he's over on the left side of the couch. So I look over at him. But then while he's still talking, I look back at Monica and she's still there. You know, at, you're in the middle of the TV show. Imagine mm-hmm. that. And imagine there's no limit to how many times you can watch the same scene and see different things. See, now that goes into like we were discussing this sort of the other day because I talked about holograms, you know, yeah. like 3D, like projection holograms. But the, the, the gist of it's there, the same idea, which is if you can control the perspective. So I, I like your example better, the VR where you're in it. So like I'm sitting on the couch and I can look over to my left. 
and I see Monica, which, you know, not for nothing, how much perspective can I control? You know, if she's bending <laughs> over and grabbing well, something, whatever, well, you know, anyways. <laughs> of course, you're going to, you know, see if I you could, can get a better angle down the cleavage. And... <laughs> I could I could look at Rachel and see just how cold it was in Central Perk. And, uh, <laughs> well, how many episodes of Friends would you watch where you're behind Rachel? <laughs> Very Central Perk. <laughs> Every single episode. Yeah, exactly. I'm watching oh, it from God. the perspective of somebody standing behind. Just a Rachel. golden age for perverts. Oh, my God. <laughs> just, it would just be so terrible. Just I know. You'd oh. be watching an episode of Friends and just try humping Rachel. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh. Anyways, anyways, anyways. So we'll get there eventually. But just, <laughs> just the technical aspects of it, the, the mechanics of it. So you can be in in the in the experience manipulating the perspective would necessarily be a, such a radical shift in storytelling that I can't even imagine how that would work because. Like you said, like just take like an episode of Friends. You're you're looking at Monica, but picture that as we watch it today, where you're watching it on screen, you're watching everything happen at once. Right. The 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 screenwriter, the director, you know, if it's a movie, a director is going to take into account angles and perspectives when they're formatting this because that makes a difference. Like, okay, for this shot, I want it to be where you're looking up from underneath, seeing the person like you're below them because that's a menacing type of shot it evokes this kind of emotion whereas if i do an overhead shot or an oblique shot that's going to change the way you think about this and the way you see things or something like for the script calls for you know if i'm watching a horror movie and this character is sitting there looking at the tv and behind them there's a reflection of a monster that's walking across the screen that's and if you're sitting there watching that on a screen, you can't help but see that because that's the way it's filmed. But if you got this VR set on, you can look at whatever the hell you want to look at. You're going to either not see the monster at all because you're looking somewhere else. You're going to see it way ahead of time because you've, you know, you've been looking around. And you're going to look through the, yeah, I'm going to look around the corner. What's happening? Oh, shit. There's this guy laying in wait with a hockey yeah, but, mask and a knife. And he's going to pop out this the, chick. The possibilities. Just think of the growing terror inside you. If you, as a viewer, inside the scene, have looked around the corner to see the killer, but you have no way of warning... I'm not necessarily shitting on this. That could be cool, but it definitely will be a change. Yes. It's definitely going to be... Because if you can control... The only thing I can think of is there is a parallel to this that we have now, which is if you're playing a video game that has... like I'm guessing, like I said, I never played it, but Breath of the Wild is a 360 3D video game where you control the camera you control the yes. perspective but every video game like that has forced perspective in certain points where the storyline dictates okay i'm gonna be walking down this corridor and this thing's gonna come around the corner and i want to make the camera's locked on the back of the protagonist's head or something like that like you can't control the camera for certain scenes because the way it's set up is they need you to see things yeah that's in- not so in breath of the wild okay well a lot of these games then do have that yeah. where you know it's free form you can do what you want until you get to certain cut scenes and then the camera's angle is taken away from your control because they needed you to see certain things at certain points. That's like um, Skyrim doesn't do that, but the one I'm playing now, Final Fantasy 15, does. You know, diff- different games will do that. So I could see movies or TV shows being like that, where you can you have free wandering until a certain point in the script happens, and then it locks you into seeing things a certain way. Yeah, and then lets you go free form again. I could see that being sort of the cure because you know a story writer even a director they're they're an artist and they want their vision to be seen and experienced they don't well, want to give complete freedom to the consumer because that takes away from the point of them creating in the first place so you have 
two things at work here, creative forces and financial forces. Sure, yeah. Imagine, if you will, you don a VR mask, goggles, whatever you want to call them, and all of a sudden you're transported to Omaha Beach, <laughs> Normandy, during D-Day. <laughs> right. Imagine, Imagine viewing Saving Private Ryan, the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan from a VR headset, and you're in the middle of the fucking, you know, canal trying to get ashore while Germans are firing at you from a machine gun nest. Like, <laughs> just imagine that. Uh, imagine oh, yeah. the people that would line up to experience that. The people that would be willing to pay whatever it takes in order to experience that. That, to me, like, that would be worth the price of admission. If I could, re- if I could go into some sort of reenactment of D-Day you know psychologically i you know you imagine that, that would probably be terrifying <laughs> but you know at that level you when you take you, the helmet off like oh my god i've wet myself that's yeah. great <laughs> yeah how many times have i been shot uh okay um but just but you like, also have to split the difference a little bit i feel like because that would be cool and that would be great for so many different things but that could not be everything you, you know what i mean like like, like a romantic you, you, comedy like you're the creepy person watching from behind a tree during <laughs> like a romantic picnic. You huddle behind the fern and you just, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, no, I'm, even stuff like a voiceover or, you know, a character thinking things. If you're in there and you're running down the Omaha beach shooting, are you going to hear a voiceover if that's necessary? You know, if you're, if you're, if you're in a spaceship fighting aliens, are you going to hear, you know, the, the, the commander on the bridge deliberating about, you know, launching the well, black I mean, coal generator, you know, whatever you, the case. If, there's, you there's don't lose, if you don't lose the fact that you're in a story, like whatever would serve the story. So, yeah, I think that there would be a mix. There would definitely be a mix. Yeah, there would, there would have to be different things. And I, I don't know if one thing could be everything or not. I, I don't know. It'd be hard. Well, like I said, the best I could imagine right now is you got some freedom and then some dictation, something that snaps you into a certain perspective and forces you to play out a certain aspect of it before it lets you go back to being freeform, right. free range again. Yeah. I don't, that's just, it's, I would love to see it. I would love to see both of it, but I, I would hope that you don't lose something because storytelling means something and just having the freedom to do whatever you want loses something. Well, yeah, but it gains too. Like the it does. it's a trade off, but I, I don't want to have to lose. Imagine forever. Imagine it's dark. You're in somebody's kitchen and there's a, a woman in the kitchen and she's, you know, maybe making a midnight snack or whatever. And she's, she's doing her thing and you're in the kitchen with her watching the story unfold and you kind of look around the corner and you see that there's a guy with a knife sneaking up on her and you can't warn her you're no i know i know watching it just imagine the the terror that you're feeling the thrill of this that you know what's going to happen and you know this guy's coming but you can't do anything about it but then imagine you don't see that person and you're just standing in the kitchen watching this woman make a midnight snack and all of a sudden out from behind the shadow comes a guy with a knife you know what i mean like you have so many different ways that you can experience this horror film that you know right. the jump scare would scare you in a different way than the thrill of the slow dread or the, the slow yeah. yeah like like there's so many different ways so. same time and get completely different aspects of it that would be amazing i would love that i just would not want that to dominate because i keep coming back to something like okay like a movie like the usual suspects where at the end you get the montage of flashbacks that pieces it all together things that were there that you didn't see until it's 
put out in front of you. If you're wandering around the set, you know, quote unquote, and you're seeing all these different things freeform, like what's how would that work? How would that as the story progresses, how would a flashback fit into that? How would a montage of a flashback fit into that to to put it all together for you? How would that work with you still in it? Like I, I feel like that wouldn't. So if this other form dominates, you would see something like that fall by the wayside. And that that would be a tragedy. I I don't know. Well, it would take some super creative people. And that's cool. And that's that that would be the best of all worlds where the necessity like that and that would be it. This is the culmination of the entire thing we're talking about today. The new technology forces adaptation, which forces innovation, which brings about a new golden age of entertainment. That would that would be the best. That would that would be what I the pipe dream that I hope for, you know? Yeah. The pie in the sky thing. That would be so cool. Well now are you ready for trivia? I'm ready for trivia now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um let me see how I'm gonna word this. Okay. It, okay, I got it. There is something up until the Great Depression that was forbidden in movie theaters. Uh Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> not necessarily an act oh uh, Herman. yeah that's right okay <laughs> um there was something forbidden from movie theaters well i could give the dirty answer which i kind of already did um <laughs> something forbidden in movie theaters up until the great depression um, and I'll, I'll give you a hint it's a thing smell a vision <gasps> they thought it was a little too real no okay think about uh, it this way up until the Great Depression, which barely holds a significance, but it is significant to a degree, um, it's something that you will find bizarre. Something that maybe is found in movie theaters now, but back when movies and theaters started, up until the Great Depression, was forbidden. Popcorn. Popcorn! Wow! <laughs> Popcorn was forbidden, forbidden. Wow. in movie theaters. Until the Great Depression, when they're like, "All we have to eat is corn. Just don't take this away from us." <laughs> that's that's a little bit part of it, but um, basically, what it was was specifically popcorn. But going to a movie and going to the cinema was a highfalutin affair, uh... and theaters were very clean, very very clean, and very like nice. The carpet was nice. And movie theaters forbid any eating because they didn't want the mess. They didn't want you schmackling food in the carpets. And popcorn specifically because too many people sitting in the theater munching ruined it. The uh, Because back when there was no sound, it was you had to read what was on the screen. Yeah, yeah. And so you had a silent film with a little bit of music and all these people <laughs> crunching. So popcorn was forbidden from movie theaters until um the great depression era area yeah they uh more and more movies were had sound mm. and so literacy wasn't an issue because before when you uh, had to so read like with the advent of talkies yes with the advent of talkies all of a sudden people flooded the theater because mm. you didn't have to read Okay, and, yeah, and during the Depression times, there's still a lot of illiterate people. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, <clears throat> movie theaters were packed with people, and they said, you know what all these people would like? <laughs> people would like something sold to them. Mm -hmm. And what's the number one thing people ask for when they're watching a movie? Food. 
and popcorn. So all of a sudden, they went from only a few people going to the cinema to all of a sudden everybody going to the cinema, and they did not give up the opportunity to sell those people. Hell, that's when they had actual intermissions where you went to the lobby to get yourself a snack. (laughs) Yep, and they relied. They started to get that money from selling concessions, and all of a sudden it became a huge thing. Hmm. But previous to that, no popcorn. Well, that's funny, too, because from what I understand is modern cinema, a movie theater makes its almost entirely its profit from concessions and yeah. nothing from the ticket sales. Yep. And that's that's the way it went. That's why you're paying five bucks for a box of Skittles and shit like that. Yep. Because that's where they Skittles. make the money. Yeah. So popcorn, the answer. Good job. Ooh. You got it. Eventually. Well, yeah, it needs to be the word masturbation. So, you know, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> I do have a second trivia question. This was the one that the popcorn one was the one that I had to remind myself of. Oh, yeah. The other one is, um, I know you didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Okay. Uh, two for two. I got federal, this. Federal government. Okay. Think fed, the federal government, excluding universities. The highest paid salaried position is the president of the United States has the That's highest salary. Question. Who's number two? What position is the second highest federal uh government employee paid i'm gonna say it's not the vice president because that seems too obvious it so, is not the vice president the, the president of the united states is the highest paid salaried government employee excluding universities who's number two i'm gonna say it's secretary of state because they gotta travel a lot they do diplomacy and shit like that no speaker of the house no um the attorney general no but general is in the name <laughs> oh my god the uh surgeon general Nope. Oh, Jesus. I was like, the Surgeon General? Holy shit. <laughs> uh, not snow, not rain. The Postmaster General. Wow. Postmaster General is the second highest wow. salaried employee in the federal government, excluding universities. So if you get into universities that receive federal funding and stuff like that, you have right, like... Which uh, probably doesn't count, so... No. Huh. But I had to, I had to put that in as General. Postmaster General getting paid. In a dying industry, the guy's still getting some money, huh? Yep. Nice. Good for him. Her, for her. whoever it may be. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. All right. You have a trivia question for okay, me. Mine is very basic. Not nearly as interesting or <laughs> at all. But I did come across this, and I thought this was worth our audience knowing. So here it is. What is the final movie to be released in VHS? The final the final movie released the VHS format. You want to know something weird? What's that? I actually heard this recently. I just I stumbled on it by accident today, and I thought this is this is relevant. This is germane to our discussion. It was. I'll give you a hint. Two thousand six was when it, the movie came out, or the movie was two thousand five and it hit VHS in two thousand six. The Matrix Revolutions. No, but it was a major. Like you've probably seen it. It was a major Hollywood movie. I say probably. I can't get guarantee it, but and it's relevant. So it has. It's to do... relevant to our topic in that it was swordfish. A tel- a te- no, no, I mean not the movie itself. The the fact that it's a technological format that dictated. Oh, okay. You know, like yeah. Um, not content wise or anything. SWAT. No. Rush Hour Two. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not saying know. these things come on VHS, but this is not the last. They're not the last ones. 
I do not know. What is it? A History of Violence. Oh, with uh, Ed Harris and um, Vigo Morrison. Wow. Yeah. No, that's I, then I didn't hear it the other day because that that is absolutely new to me. Yeah, I thought that was, that's so weird because I'm like I'm of two minds of it. Like a that seemed modern enough that it's like they put it on VHS. And then like B, well, it seems like they put more. They should put more of VHS because it seems like there's still people out there. Like they still make cassettes. Yeah. You know, like for music. So I'm actually shocked that they did. They stopped doing vhs in 2006 but i'm like well yeah was the last time you saw a vhs tape for sale at a store ever that that wasn't used yeah you know that wasn't old haven't yeah i mean how i think dvds are gonna disappear in the next 10 years so yeah, probably so yeah well, cool all right so that was our season premiere season two very very uh fact-filled and informative you're welcome <laughs> uh and probably going to be the norm for this entire season uh i am going to um i'm gonna go because i'm exhausted (laughs) (laughs) well let's be fair that was the norm for the first for the last half of the last season too yeah that's true yeah yeah. well i'm gonna maintain then all right and there may or may not be an easter egg at the end of this (laughs) we'll see how froggy i get when i'm at it all right all right well um Got to sign off. I'm going to sign off as uh, Brittany Auto-Tune Spears. Nice. I like it. I guess I will be Bob uh, Sperm Trash Can <laughs> Scully. Oh, God. Oh, thank God you're Sperm Trash Can. Ah, uh, Sperm Trash Can. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time. Get me in your Monday milk. Get me in your Monday milk. Bye. Sayonara. Adios.